Is it important for your organization to have an electronic communications policy? Hello, thank you for joining us. This is What Counts, a podcast created by Trailblazer Consulting. Here we highlight proven solutions developed through our experience working with companies across various industries, and we talk about how you can apply these solutions to your company. We share our experience solving information management challenges like creating and implementing a records retention schedule, creating an asset data hierarchy, or helping with email management. This is Lee, and in this episode, Moore and I will share our experience helping organizations decide what to include in their electronic communications policy. Maura, if you didn't notice, I skipped right over, is it important for your organization to have one and decided to go with what should you include? Because it's that important for an organization to actually have this policy. So do you want to take us from there? Yes, thanks Lee. And as you were talking, I actually made a note to say, instead of, is it important? It's how important is it? <laughs> um, because right now, in the, especially in the last couple of years, as people have taken a lot of work outside the office, the question of electronic communications has become critical and urgent in every organization that we've worked with over the past three or four years. Before that, there were discussions about text messages and email and a lot of, you know, you know, in the courts, a lot of smoking gun emails came up and drove people to, well, should we roll off email? And we've had some other uh, podcast episodes where we've talked about email. Text messages are trickier, but they are kind of falling by the wayside a little because smartphones enable so much more rich communication that in some ways is easier to capture and in other ways represents a huge risk. So I think it is vitally important to develop and roll out an electronic communications policy, especially today. Some of the key things that I think we need to put into those policies and that we have tested out with multiple clients are what constitutes a critical communication? Is it a record? If it's not a record, then how long should it be kept? What are the appropriate channels for communication? Who owns it? Even if it's on your smartphone, if it's on a, a team site that you're accessing through your phone, for instance, then still belongs to the company. And the biggest question of all, should you record video conference calls? I have noticed talking with different companies in the past few years and thinking about this phenomenon of video conferencing that there is a, I don't know, like this visceral response to, oh, we're on a video call, so let's record it just in case. Comes up all the time in, and in some organizations, because they didn't have a policy, when we started talking about it, there were hundreds of recordings out there. And the only way that a recording is sort of named is by the name and date of the meeting. So you don't really know what's in that recording. There's not, no catalog to it. They are mostly stored on the hosting platform's website because they're huge files. They have video feeds, they have audio feeds, they might have captured chat files or questions and answers files. They might also have transcripts if you've turned on a 
a TTY or a transcripting service in some way, the files are enormous. They're hard to download to someone's machine and they are much harder even once you get it down to move to a different machine inside of your organization. So you've got hundreds of hours potentially of recorded conversations that a few years ago, no one would ever have thought to record these meetings. You'd all be sitting in a conference room. Everybody would be talking. There might be people drawn on the whiteboard. You might be looking at a presentation and no one would have brought up, oh, can we record this meeting? But now, because it's so easy on a video conferencing service to do it, people are just like, yeah, let's record this just in case. So first thing, does anyone ever go listen to these? It's pretty rare. The exceptions are if you deliberately record one session of a training and you post it on your intranet so that people who weren't able to make that one session can come back and refer to it. Okay, that's valid. That's very similar to you know, a computer-based training session, other electronic delivery of training, and it's formal and it's for a purpose. Otherwise, very few people ever go back and access these recordings, but they're out there. And they may be out there indefinitely. Depends on if you've spoken to your provider about what is their deletion policy. How long do they retain these recordings? Who even knows they're there? If you've given licenses to your whole organization and they all have the ability to record, you as the administrator really don't know how many recordings are happening every week. I found this shocking at the beginning of when we started talking about this phenomenon. And the first time it came up was a financial institution we were working with and the general counsel called and said, we need to stop people from recording these things. Audit's very upset about recording things. And it's, and it's a concern because these are informal discussions. It's not vetted information. It, it's not meant to be published. And it's not that they're trying to hide things. It's that a record is a different thing from an informal conversation that happens to be captured. And the ability to record these informal conversations has really heightened the anxiety. In the general counsel's offices, it's heightened the anxiety. Yeah, but... Hold on, those those informal conversations, they're not, they're usually not captured in notes, right? So before you were talking about, you know, we never had the ability to record these conversations and so forth. But if it was an important meeting, people took notes or somebody took notes and distributed those to all the participants, right? Again, those informal conversations were left out of the notes. It was only the important pieces. Here with a recording, you have absolutely every piece that's discussed. So there's a big difference and you need to be careful. That's a good point because meeting minutes formally capture the topics and if there's discussion, what the key points are and then what the decision or the action items are. Recordings capture everything else that happens. One of the organizations that we've worked with in the past couple of years was a public organization, a school, a charter school that had an open meeting law. And so in that case, recording the whole thing met the requirements of the law because you could have people attend your meeting and, and the meeting minutes were a complement to the recording as opposed to the recording being a substitute for the meeting minutes. That is a unique circumstance and, and similar to the, okay, we're going to 
record this training session rather than offer this training live 50 times, it makes sense. It meets the goals of providing a public meeting forum. It meets the goals of providing training to a whole organization. But those informal conversations that used to be in the hallway and now they're on a conferencing call because everyone's at home or half the people are at home, half the people are in the office, or you're just geographically dispersed and it used to be a conference call, but now it's a video call. The purpose of those things hasn't changed and the need to record every word isn't there. It's a byproduct of the ability to do it. So in the electronic communications policies, we first talk about what are these communication mechanisms? What are these platforms? Who do they belong to? And what is appropriate to store on them? We talk about the definition of a record. If a meeting meets the definition of a record, then okay, the recording should be made. For instance, if you are a publicly traded company and you are publishing quarterly earnings and you are doing that in a conference call, there is a need to record that. It is, a, again, that public access obligation. If you are talking about a decision process, so in the communications policy, you want to talk about what is an appropriate and approved records repository. Is it appropriate to make a major business decision only in some sort of a chat platform, something like Microsoft Teams or Jabber or Slack? Is that a place where you want to record your decision as a company? Probably not. So your direction to your employees, both through the policy and through training and other guidance is if you are having a discussion in a chat forum that is sort of background to a decision process, you still have a requirement to actually document that decision process and store it as a record in some other format. One of the interesting things that came out in our most recent round of doing these policies, because this is our fourth or fifth one now in the last two years, is what about recordings that are sort of outside of your company's control? You can decide as a company that only a few people have the ability to record. You can put out guidance about those few people, or you can institute a process where if you want to record something, you have to ask permission in order to get that opened up. But what if your employees are participating in a call that is hosted by someone else? It's by a consultant or it's by a vendor or it's by a partner. How can you control those recordings? Well, you can control them potentially through a contractual agreement, you know, that you put in your agreement with this third party that they won't record the calls or that if they record them, they will keep them for the amount of time that you've agreed is appropriate that you've documented in your policies. But short of that, because you may not have a contractual agreement with everyone that your employees are on a call with, or you may not have included that language in your agreement with the, that third party, then you have to go with training and guidance for your employees and have them think about what should we do here? So if you're working with a company that has highly sensitive confidential information, could be patient information, could be trade secret information. They're working with a third party that's a partner. They haven't addressed the, the recordings question in the contract. 
they get to a meeting and the other side says, hey, we'd like to record this. So your employees should stop and think, is that a good idea? Do we want this sort of vague discussion? You know, this is, we're not ready to make this a documented process yet. It's not ready for publication. Do we want this to be recorded and stored and under the control of someone else? And think about the implications. They have options then. They can ask the other guy, the other party, don't, don't, please don't record it. We'd rather you not record this. If the other party says, well, no, we really want to, then they can say, well, then we're not going to participate in this call and actually hang up because there's risk there. And that risk is not unique to the video conference. The value and the sensitivity of the information that is going to be discussed, the employees who are working with that information, they're aware of that value. They're aware of that risk. What they might not be aware of before you start your policy rollout and your guidance around how to think about this electronic communications policy, employees might not be aware that the risk is not only to written information being accessed unintentionally, inadvertently, inappropriately, or released inappropriately. There is a risk to verbal information being captured in a call and held by someone else. It could be accessed completely by accident in a data breach situation. It also could be released by a bad actor in the other organization. Anything is possible. And so what you want to do with your rollout communications and guidance is raise people's awareness that the same risk that happens with email or with a document or with other data is also there with a conference call. Are there some states that this is more important to them than other states? Yes, that's a that was the next point I was going to make. So good job reading my mind. Up until now, we've been talking about the risk to your company's proprietary data, kind of the sensitivity of the data. The other piece of this is data privacy. And the thing about video calls is you see a person's image and you see a person's name. In a sort of a webinar, a more anonymous version of a video call, you might only see someone's name. But in either case, you've captured some personally identifying information about who is in this call having this conversation. You've got their voice captured. So yes, California has some of the more stringent uh, sort of right to own your data, right to retract your data. You can, someone can ask for any data in in your organization that can be identified, where they can be identified, they can ask for that to be removed or at least to know that it's there. So that privacy aspect is an overlay here. California is the first one who put that into law, but they're not the only one. There, Those concerns exist across the country and outside of the US across the world. So that's a huge burden administratively, even if nothing bad happens with that recording. If somebody wants to ask you for it, wants to ask you where it is, how, where was their image captured, then you'd have to answer that question going through all of those recordings. So that is another aspect to this. So your own, your company data, as well as the privacy data related to it. That's good stuff, Maura. I think that's good for today too. Do you agree? 
yes, I think that's good. Um, I do want to say that all of these concerns that you put into an electronic communications policy, they require cooperation between legal and the records team, IT, and your business thinking about where's our most important data? Where are we likely to have recordings? What does make sense? What doesn't? And having the conversations with all of those key stakeholders as you start to put together the policy is going to lead you to a policy that fits your organization best. If you have any questions, please send us an email at info at trailblazer.us.com or look us up on the web at www.trailblazer.us.com. Thank you for listening and please tune into our next episode. Also, if you like this episode, please be a champion and share it with people on your social media network. As always, we appreciate you, the listeners. Special thanks goes to Jason Blake, who created our intro music. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you soon.